Salutations, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Recap Book Chat. My name is Kate, and this is my mom, Sheila. And we are just so excited that you're with us today. And I wanted to share a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. I am part of everything that I have read. What have you been reading? We'll share with you what we've been reading and what's at the top of our book stack. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are closing the book on a probably our biggest read I think we've read besides the Bible, I would guess, Mm -hmm. is The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. And it what a read. And she just finished it this morning. Barely, barely got it in. But it's St. Patrick's Day while we're doing this. So happy St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Happy St. Patrick's Day. Wow. As we, this is part two. If you haven't listened to part one, um, we kind of reviewed um, the author and the first uh, part of the book gave some character backgrounds and stuff like that. And today we're going to review... Uh, the second part of the book, which had a lot to it. And if you've seen the movie, and I'm talking about the one with Jim Caviezel, uh, well, it won't hurt you at all to read the book because they're totally different. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Oh, totally different. we watched the movie last yes, night. Yes, so. we did. <laughs> totally. And I enjoyed both. The movie was good in its own thing, but it is a different story. Mm-hmm. And even the man said, read the book. Mm-hmm. And the book is one thing, and the the movie's totally something different. So true. Which it would be impossible to get the book in one movie unless you did a mini mini series. Yeah, it should so. have been. It could have been. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. But wow. Okay, so give us your impressions of the second half of uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. Were you surprised? What were you feeling as you finished it? Well, you know, as I told you, what I what this reminded me of is the guy setting up the dominoes. So the count is setting up meticulously, setting up the dominoes. He doesn't just go out for revenge, but he is studying each and every person and he is setting up the dominoes. So the way they betrayed him is the way they're going to get their um comeuppance. And uh, so was I surprised? Yeah, I did not know what was going to happen. So I, I liked not knowing. Mm-hmm. I like being totally surprised. What about you? Well, I first, I loved your analogy of the dominoes. I think that is a, that describes it so beautifully. Like, it has taken him years to set up these dominoes. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, and they fall quickly, just like dominoes. It's, it takes a lot of time to set up. But then once that first one gets knocked over, they go down <laughs> very fast. And then there's that element that even he doesn't know. What's going to happen? Because mm. everyone has free choice, you know. Yes. So it does. So the count, you know, he for a moment. I tell you, one of my favorite parts is when he realizes that he's went too far, and he realizes that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. He steps down because he was trying to help God out. Well, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of times we think that. Well, God needs my help. Well, God does not need our help, mm-hmm. and he realized that, and he grew tremendously as a person right then so you're right because there's a child that dies because of his his uh interference 
But and that's what changed really him. The child. He doesn't kill the child. It's the acts of someone else, but he did start it. He did start it. And the he was an innocent victim caught up in that. And that's what really well, opened wasn't really him. innocent. He was a brat of a child. <laughs> Let's just be clear. I mean, not that I want a child to die, but if you had to be quiet, he was a brat of a child, but you know, just saying. But that was because of he had a brat a, of a mother, a brat I guess. Of a mother. I guess so, so yeah, so like the what is that? It doesn't fall far from the the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So okay, so the three main enemies were Viffon, um, Monsieur Danglar, and Caderousse. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I guess there was four. Uh, Ferdinand the Ferdinand. What's the? Uh, in in Mosef. Yeah, Mosef. And in the movie, I think they called him Mondego or something. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, they drop some, roll some in together. But so when you think about it, it would be one thing to be, be to be outsmarted by someone or even betrayed by someone that you don't know. Mm-hmm. But this closely resembles like the in the Bible where Jesus is betrayed by not not a Roman, not someone high up, in, you know, like a Pharisee. He's betrayed by one of his own, mm-hmm. and that's what this is because he's betrayed by. People that like worked with him on the ship and then lived in his hometown. Yeah, and so that that I think makes it hard to understand how do you deal with um, when someone betrays you that that's close, mm. and then that's why he he has the revenge and the. But I, I still, you know, you go back to the Abe. He did learn from the Abe because he even impersonates an Abe, mm. and he does a lot of good. I mean, he. He, he saved someone's life mm-hmm. in the second half. I think Villefort had the worst of it. What do you think? I mean, because, so, the um, Ferdinand, he, yeah. he was basically just shown what he had, he was disgraced, basically shown all of his past. He had done some horrible things. To become, a, yeah, to be, get where he was in the military and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he wanted Mercedes. That's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he lost Mercedes. Mm-hmm. But he'd lost her before the count. Yes. I don't know if he ever really had her. So, And then um, the Donglar, he worshipped the dollar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, that was a different kind of family altogether. Yes. Because he had a child but had nothing to do with his child. And his child had nothing to do with him. But and he his wife had nothing he to lost, do with him. I mean, he lost the relationship with his wife and child, but he didn't really have one. Yeah. So that didn't affect him. No. The money affected him more, but mm-hmm. again, he was still not left destitute completely. One of a, a funny, and it had funny. There's some humor in here because uh, there have to be, you know, there is. So, because Don Glar's wife, she openly has um, a... Uh, what do you call it? <laughs> a friend uh, that comes and goes. They like Don Glar and his wife have no relationship at no. all. And so uh, Debray is the man's name. And so when Don Glar, uh, you know, says he's going to leave, um, she goes and tells Debray, thinking Debray will say, Oh, we can be together at last. And he says to her, What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of cracked me up. Yeah, when uh, the Baroness is what they called Donglar's wife. I noticed in here that she says fiddle-dee-dee, and Scarlett O'Hara says fiddle-dee-dee. So mm-hmm. I thought, wait a minute, did... Um, who Margaret? 
Oh, what's her name? Now I can't name it. She wrote Gone with the Wind. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember her name. But anyway, I was like, did she get it from here? Fiddly Dee. But this has been translated. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. But it was interesting, though. Fiddle Dee Dee. Yeah. And in one part, somebody was talking about how, um, and I thought this was funny, politicians are hard to kill. Well, that was because uh, um, Bertuzio had stabbed Vifo. Remember? Mm -hmm. And nothing happened to him. I mean, and you think, oh, he killed him, but he didn't. That's so, right. And then, and then Bertizio says, well, politicians are hard to kill. <laughs> they take, take a licking and keep on ticking. But. I will say, I was thinking it was going to be a tragedy. I was thinking it was not going to end well because of the movie. The guy said, because uh, it ends well in the movie. And he said, well, you know, there was a difference. And so I thought, oh, the book must end bad. But that's not the case. I was very pleased with the ending. It was different than the movie, but it, it has a really good ending. Yeah, to me, it has even a better ending. I liked it. But, and this, I connected with, on page one, I mean, 872, it says, Because you must understand, my dear friend, one should never be exclusive. When one lives among madmen, one must train as a maniac. And that is it. the dragon. Mm, Remember? Yes. That was from The Hobbit. Because when you live near, and I think, and I thought to myself, we all live near madmen or a dragon, whichever the case may be, we, and you need to count, take that into consideration. Train like a mad, train like a maniac. Yeah. Even though don't don't be one, but you have to prepare to be around. And those. that's what's in the Bible. The Bible says be, Jesus said to be as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents. So you need to know. Mm-hmm. But do yeah, like you said, don't go that way. But um, be prepared. Yeah, I like that. I marked that one too. Isn't it cool? We, you know, just like um, so. There was drama in um, when the truth comes out. But there was, and they quote Shakespeare in here a lot. They do. So I think we should read Hamlet. Just okay. saying. We'll we'll put that Sometime. on time. I'm down for I know we need something easy after this, but doesn't it? Don't doesn't it feel good to do something hard? Oh, it does. It it's really a great read. I mean, and really, if you are, I don't know, if you if you're on a long trip or you have a lot of downtime or for I don't, this would be a good one to take with you because it will definitely keep keep you occupied. I like this one too. Uh, the body sight can sometimes forget, but the soul remembers forever. So. I thought that was a good quote. Well, and, and there's tons of, yeah, even if you want something hard, it is really good to finish something that's hard. And then it says, um, uh, Monte Cristo said, your vengeance may sometimes be slow in coming, but I think that then it is the more complete. It is all the more complete. That's Monte Cristo talking to God. He's talking to God and he's saying, he thought his vengeance was too long in coming, but then, but it is a complete vengeance. And I said, yeah, that's what we need to realize. Mm -hmm. But in the Bible, it says over and over again, wait, mm. wait. And that gets you to the end, which I don't think that would spoil anything if you quote the last. No, um, go for it. I love the ending is wonderful because it's. It's Wait, complex. Well, before you say that, I'll say one that's leading up to that, that I liked when the Count is talking to Maximilian about grief. And he says, grief is like life and that there is always something unknown beyond it. Mm. And I like that because a lot of times 
because Maximilian is just wanting to give in to the grief. And which is, I think, when that's hard for all of us if you're in the mid, middle of something to see beyond it. And so I thought that's true because in life you don't know what's coming. And same with grief. Like there's something beyond that. So. And at the end, uh, it, here's what I thought was powerful. It says, um, I'm just going to tell the angel who will watch over your life, Morel, to pray sometimes for a man who, like Satan, momentarily thought himself the equal of God and who, with all the humility of a Christian, came to realize that in God's hands alone res- resides supreme power and infinite wisdom. And he's talking to Morel's son, who's Morel in here and Maximilian. And he tells him, and it actually is mentioned twice, but he says, he, when he's, this was actually something he wrote to Maximilian. And at the end, he says, God deigns to unveil the nature of, to mankind. All human wisdom is contained in these two words, wait and hope. Your friend, Edmund Dantes, and then it says Count of Monte Cristo. I just thought that was really good. I like that. And how difficult it is to wait and hope. You know, sometimes we feel so, everything seems hopeless. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I can't remember who said this one time, but uh, I read somewhere that if, if there's an area in your life that is not glistening with hope, then you're believing a lie in that area. And I'm like, because if you're a Christian and... Like, our life should be glistening with hope. Mm-hmm. So if it's not, then we are believing a lie about something. Yeah. So I was like, what a good indicator. Like, is there, what part of my life am I believing a lie in? Where, where, where do I feel hopeless? Mm-hmm. So, and that's a good indication of, okay, I need to evaluate what I'm believing about that situation. Uh, in the book, several times when people meet uh, the Count, they say that they could tell he had suffered much. Mm. And at the end, in his letter to Maximilian, he says, only someone who has suffered the deepest misfortune is capable of experiencing the heights of felicity. Ooh. And I thought that was great. Cause... That is great. You know, because I'm one of those people that's prone to live very even kill. And so sometimes it's like, but really, you know, it's. I think it's good to experience Maybe both. Embrace uh, that was one of Jesus's names, Man of Sorrows. Mm. So he he embraced that. I think we need to embrace where we are. Like if you're going through a sickness or a hard time, embrace that and say, "What can I learn from this? Mm. What 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 what's it going to look like on the other side of this?" And we're still waiting. We're asking God for um, strength to endure it, but yet learning lessons and waiting for His guidance and, and hoping. And hoping, yeah, what, that we will come out on the other side of that. Mm. But um, I just wish everyone, like all high school kids, could read this book and go through it. I mean, if it took a whole semester, it would be well worth it. You're not going to forget it. What do you feel like the message, the main message is that Dumas is trying to get across? Well, you know, like you said, he was poor, so he struggled and everything. I think it, it's life is hard, but, and we need God and we don't need to play God. And it's a, it's told in a story because stories stick, facts fade, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's this message of all this interwoven people. And people are not what they seem. Mm. And if you have, if you put your faith in money, it shows you money will let you down. Mm-hmm. In one part, it says, I have come from a planet of sorrow. I mean, he has words like that. So, I mean, I was kind of surprised that Dumas hadn't been formally educated, but it said he was a voracious reader. 
So mm-hmm. for everyone that wants to... I think Doom... Oh, Dumas. Okay, yeah. I was thinking Dantes. I was like, yeah. well, he wasn't formally educated, but the but Abe... didn't he... Did you see Dumas in Dantes? Yes. So I think he related to him because remember we listened to that one guy talking about him and he said he was an adventurer and mm-hmm. he really did live life to the fullest. He was... He, he spent way too much money, but it... But he did that to... He wanted to experience everything. But we're lucky that he did that because you said he wrote to support his lifestyle. Yes, his, his lav- lavish lifestyle. He had to write to su- support that. And so I think we see that in Dantes. That I feel like that he put him he wrote himself in that character. That's who he wanted to be, I think. And I, and at one time somebody was really uh, it was Morel who was um so sad and he's saying how rough he's had it and Um, The Count says, My friend, I have one lingering doubt. Will you be so weak as to pride yourself on the exhibition of your grief? So I think the Count thinks he wears his grief well, and Morel's making it more drama, which kind of goes with this society. It is drama. A lot of drama, not a lot of action. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of um, the unoffended. I mean, those people who are offended, offended, they do nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. But but he said you you can do something. Of course, he he did a lot of things with this, <laughs> and and sometimes it's funny that like Bertuzio, no, it was a it was the you know, Bertuzio. She, he stabs a guy, and then the guy's burying something, digs it up, and it's and it's a baby. And Bertuzio just happened to have been an orderly at a hospital or and something. Knew how to resuscitate. <laughs> I mean, he has a lot of that, which was funny to me. Which I, I think we knew we knew this about the French history and stuff like that, but the how they duel and honor and defending their honor, you're just like really, you know, if someone says one thing, then a bad against you, then that's enough for a duel and to take their life, and it's just crazy how that worked and that how that was commonplace. People yeah. had dueling pistols. Like yeah, there's a watch. duel that takes place or almost takes place, and they're like, oh yeah, I just bought these last week, and you're like, okay. So is that just, what you're doing? Just buy some dueling pistols in case your friend needs them. But apparently that was uh, that happened a lot. And there was once when they quoted Shakespeare, and I don't know which one this was, but uh, uh, it said, woman is like the waves. So, uh, you know, is that kind of like, does that mean fickle? Or what does that mean? Woman is like the waves. I thought that was interesting. Page, what page it was that? It uh, was 943. I just thought that was... And seven seventy four, it's it's Hamlet. It said, "Foul deeds will rise," and I think this book is a lot of foul deeds will rise. It must have been fickle because it says, "Woman is often fickle," and "Woman is like the wave," said Shakespeare. So there you go. So earlier, like in six ninety three, it said, "Really, only women know how to disguise their feelings." What did you think about that? I thought that was true. I thought right. that was really interesting because. Um, and I don't know if it's a credit to our sex or if it's a discredit. If it's a discredit, uh, but I, I do think it was a, slam, a kind of a slam and a kudos at the same time because he's saying men can't do it. I but think women wary. have to wear more hats, and so I think women. It maybe it comes easier for women because I mean they they can't fall apart in front of their kids. You you know they have to wear these different faces, these different hats more than men. Men are pretty like. If they're thinking about work, or that's all they think about. They can't really think of multiple things at one time, where women kind of have to. So, 
But it, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a very insightful thing for a man to write. For a man to write, I mean, yeah. it wouldn't have been anything for a woman to write that, but for mm. a man to write that, I thought, wow. But that's true. Most men, if they're if something's wrong, you kind of know it. Mm-hmm. And women obviously don't because men are like, what's wrong? <laughs> and women usually say nothing. Mm-hmm. But a man could would might tell you. But yeah, why do we say nothing when something's wrong? Why is that? Everybody says, what's wrong? Nothing. What's I wrong? I think sometimes Nothing. it's hard to verbalize. Like, I know for me it is. Sometimes I, I'm not exactly sure why I'm angry unless I sit down and think about it. But sometimes it's just like we're always moving forward or have so much like we need to get done. We don't have time to really sit there and stew. But there is something that bothered us probably that was against our belief or against our value. Something happened and... Upset about it. But Yeah. So. Well, maybe when it says really only women know how to disguise their feelings, women are the only ones that know their feelings. Men are just like, when's the game? When are we hunting? When yeah. are we doing? I mean, feelings are not high on their priority list. Mm-hmm. It's not a touchy-feely thing. So I had another g- good quote. Haste is a poor counselor. Ooh, that's good. And that says Albert. I can't really believe Albert because he's pretty hasty because he challenges the count to a duel. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? You know, but that's that honor thing that's really, you know. And he was going to challenge someone else. (laughs) Didn't the count stop him? Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, he's, but he's young and impetuous. Feel, and, oh, that's a, what did I say? The counts, oh, another word I learned was Corvette. Yes. (laughs) I had so that on tell my them cool what words. That means. Well, I, I looked it up here. I don't think I looked it up, but it's a, a ship or something, yeah. right? That goes fast. That goes fast. Yeah. And I said nothing new under the sun. Oh my goodness! I said, what is that? Because yeah. he was, yeah. When it said he was waiting for his Corvette, I'm like, what? I had to do a double take, but I was like, oh, yeah. So that's where these names come from. It's a good name for a fast car, yeah, because it was a fast ship. I think we had that last time. I don't know if I. This is 561, so I don't know. It is not the tree that forsakes the flower, but the flower that forsakes the tree. Now, what does that mean? He's talking to Hattie, which Hattie's not even in the movie. But Tell who she is. Hattie, because um, she has a lot in here, and I, and I forget the location of things, but Hattie is, um, he's, yeah. she's connected to Ferdinand because um, he betrayed her father. Mm-hmm. So And she goes and makes that public. Mm-hmm. But uh, and she was actually sold as a slave, and the Count of Monte Cristo bought her, or Edmond, or whatever. And um, she loves the Count, yeah. but the Count looks at her as a daughter. Yeah. But um, and that's who he's talking to. And I'm thinking he's meaning if your parents had bad roots, then you. But that's not exactly true. Oh, because he's saying that he will never leave her. It is not the tree that forsakes the flower, but the flower that forsakes the tree. So she will leave him. That she will leave him. Oh, yeah. Got it. Thank so. you. Which that makes sense. Yeah, and the movie totally le- left out a scoundrel called Caderousse. Mm. Totally left him out, and um, which is weird because eventually, and of course, there's so many stories, like you said, that you couldn't tell. But there is a story that connects Caderousse to um, Bertuzio and then the, there's a really a scoundrel in here called Benedetto, and that's all connected. But the the Abbe, which is the count, he's the Abbe, goes and gives 
Caterusa Diamond. And I think there's something to be said in that. Did that make you think of all those people who win the lottery? Mm, that's true, yeah. Because he was, so Caterusa was destitute at that point. He lost everything. He had a sickly wife, a negative sickly wife, and he wasn't making very much. It was it, He was hard to make ends meet at that point. When Abe, a.k.a. Count, a.k.a. Edmund Dantes, who he, who he had sort of betrayed. Oh, yeah. Well, he was the one that was drinking. The, he had a drinking problem, but mm -hmm. they were all plotting against him. There were three men that were plotting against him. And then Vifol was just the um, lawyer part of it, the deal. But, yeah, definitely could have changed his life around, but he didn't. And he had a second chance with the diamond and greed. He was very greedy. Yeah. So, I mean, he kind of, it's like uh, Edmund knew what to do with in each situation. But he said, he, you know, he's going to study him. And he did, I guess. He had years and years to, to years study him. Years and um, unlimited funds. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to um, the Abe you know, and I, and I think that right there, there's, there is part, nobody believed the crazy prisoner that said he had a fortune that he would mm -hmm. share with everyone. Nobody believed it. So there comes hope. Yes. Nobody had that. But Edmund. Edmund did. And you got, you have to admire the Abbe, the, not the Count one, but the original one in the dungeon, um, that, because he didn't have anybody. Like, so he, like Edmund had, I think was by himself for four years before the Abbe tunneled to him. But Abe, he he was hoping without anybody like reassuring him. He did that all for hope. eleven years, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is amazing. That that's that that's just the hope that you have, and I and that's what we need. You need that hope, and I just think that you, this could help you. Like if you have a bad day, have you been in prison for fourteen years? <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. In a know? dungeon. I mean, yeah. it wasn't even. I mean, I was thinking about that. Like our prisons. Oh, yeah. For them, like, I was just thinking about that. Like, I mean, prison is not a good place at all, obviously, but they were in, like, a dungeon, the Chateau d'If. I mean, barely, barely any food. And you couldn't even see Couldn't it. talk to anybody. Yeah. Like, isolated. Isolated. I mean, you know how they say today, if somebody acts up, they put them in solitary confinement. They were all in solitary confinement, yeah. weren't they? Mm -hmm. I mean, technically? Yeah, they were. Yeah. No light. Like, it's not, they didn't have recess time. They didn't have a... Any of no, that. Like now, they have libraries. and they You can have, get a degree. Yeah. I mean, Abe would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> would have come out debt free. Yeah. But I, I don't know. what What's your takeaway on the thing? What, what would you tell someone? How would you sum it up? I think I, I would sum up that... Well, it's hard to beat the weight and hope. Because yeah. I'm like, I really feel like that... That sums up what the the message he was trying to get across is that... Oh, I have one more funny thing. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is so funny, and I don't know why it struck me as hilarious, but sometimes you'll be reading along, and so death has really hit Vifo's house. He lost a, lost a father-in-law coming to his house. He lost well, a mother-in-law. He lost a servant. His dad's had a, has a stroke, and he's just laying there. And so with all this, uh, he kind of crumbles, mm -hmm. Vifo does. And so he has one of his relatives to uh, do the 
on well not honors but welcome guests to the morning and all that kind of stuff you know and so i just thought this whole thing was funny so he couldn't do it so he, no i have a cousin who has agreed to undertake that sad honor of receiving people in the, i shall work doctor when i work everything vanishes and indeed the doctor had all had hardly reached the door before the crown prosecutor was once more immersed in his labors. On the steps, the doctor met the relative whom Vifal had mentioned, an insignificant personage, both in family and in his story. One of those beings who are born to play a purely utilitarian role in the world. And I said, whoa, that's a slam. It's a huge, you know, it made me think of that movie, um, The Holiday, where he's saying, you you're playing the side character. Good connection. It's like you you're the leading lady, but you're not acting like it. You're acting like that a. That's a great connection. Yeah, everyone should be the leading lady in their own life. Yeah, yeah. or and man, this, or, or man. <laughs> yeah, but I was just like, what a slam on. But I think that's well put. Like some people are the ones that just wanted it. They to, don't want the leading role. Yeah, they insignificant want. personage. Mm-hmm. But in your life, you need. Because God thinks everyone is a significant personage, but I did like the wording of it too. But think about it though, the side characters don't usually go through the struggles and pain of the leading character. So really, oh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. you're taking a less risky road. You're To be that person, you kind of have to withdraw, not take risk. So... Good, good thought. Good thought about that. Because I, I'm just like, and another one. I, I, um, there was a colorful time because he's intricately planning this. And at one time, he goes to meet the guy who does the telegraphs, and he is in this guy. He just, he has this whole setup, but he notices his garden. There's not a grass blade out of place, and all this guy does is wait for telegraphs to come in messages to come in but his love and so i copied that down it says every man has a passion gnawing away at the bottom of his heart just as every fruit has its worm and he said and the telegraph guy was gardening and he knew that i mean he was just like and he appreciated it because he said uh he would he's a guy that's uh, the count calls himself he's driven by curiosity well, and the count because he was wanting him to falsify a telegraph. So, and he like I don't I think if you just went up to that guy and said, "Hey, I'll pay you to do that." He would say, "No. Yeah. I'm not going to falsify it." But when he says, "I'll give you some land." Look, you look at the garden, garden if you want to. He knew. So you really have to know someone mm-hmm. to see how it would it, it, it was pretty pretty uh smart. He was yeah. very smart. And this one it said um there's a girl that's not in the movie, but I loved her. She's one of my favorites, was Valentine, who um, is the daughter of Vifo. But Vifo's first wife was good. Yes. Because when he's uh, going to take care of Edmond, she said, be kind. And mer- show mercy, and he didn't. If he had listened no. to his wife, Vifo's life would have been a lot better. And you find out she was poisoned. Was she poisoned? I mean, they never talked about that, but we assume she was. Yeah, because that second wife, she's like got. She has like an Amazon Prime delivery on poison. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. She's like, what's all? Like, <laughs> it is scheduled because she's using it for everyone, which is uh, is kind of unusual that his dad is just hanging on yeah. uh, Nordier or whatever. He's he's an old but wise. And he's paralyzed and in bed, but he's still doing a lot of yeah. things. It's he, amazing. He only can talk by blinking his eyes. Mm-hmm. 
or and that's they have like yes and no and different signals, and that's how they communicate. And he he saved his granddaughter, even though he is completely paralyzed. And she and actually she feels like he's her only friend because I I mean at one time she said, because um, he he's in bed right he's bed fast oh yeah or and they keep him in a chair I think. Okay. It says uh, she says I have no friends. I am ignored by my father. That would be Vifo. I I am persecuted by my stepmother. And who have I? I have no consolation other than a motionless, benumbed old man whose hand cannot press my hand and who can speak to me only with his eyes, though his heart, no doubt, beats with some trace of warmth for me. And I just thought, oh my goodness. And that is Valentine. That is. And then who is loved by Morel deeply, mm. you know, but she's supposed to marry Franz. Yes. Who, yeah. Who, who doesn't even want to get married to her. It's amazing to me how you got the, all this, uh, you know, people are getting married to people they don't want to get married to. A yeah. Lot, a lot Usually for alliances or money or... It's like Romeo and Juliet. It really is like Romeo and Juliet, but luckily it had a better ending. Yeah, so So. I'm telling you, if you're ready to challenge yourself and you feel like, you know, like climbing uh, Mount Everest, you feel this could be like a Mount Everest time. I I really thought it was harder than um, War and Peace as far as getting through, because just getting time to read it is longer. Yeah. But I enjoyed it better than War and Peace because at War and Peace, I did not like the war stuff. Yeah, we kind of tuned out. The, there was a like he really goes deep into the war. What's happening? And this is like easier to read. But I mean, you me. did feel like you went through a war. Yeah, you're going through a war, but so, it's people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, both of them. I mean, it's like, um, and there's so many stories. Like, it doesn't. It really keeps your attention because you don't just stick on one person. There's so many stories that all weave together, but they're broken up in a, in an interesting way. So, and, and you, you know, at, um, and you think, well, Caterus is gone. He comes back. You know, you think somebody's gone and they come back and they may have a different name. Yeah. So it does challenge you, but, uh, definitely. So it, what did you learn from this book? Uh, I learned a lot from this book, but I like the 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 fact. I really like that quote that I said earlier about the other side of of there's something there's an unknown side of grief, and so I think that's important, and that goes along with the hope too. Just keep keep going. I think um, think like you can make it through. Just keep going. Like and the fact that I think and what you said too. In the face of struggles and things, we can still learn and gain a lot of good stuff from there. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it said too. People say, you know, in the valley, that's where all the that's where the there's a lot of good food in the valley. Like things grow well in the valley. Mm-hmm. So when you're going through the valley, we're growing. Yeah, what you're, was, that connects with that one. Remember the last green valley or something? You always yeah. quote that. Do you remember where? Where she said something. Oh, she says, what did she say? Um, oh, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. And that if you can keep that in your perspective, that's a great connection. If you keep that in your perspective, then you see life completely different. Mm-hmm. And then when bad things are going on in your life, you think, okay, this is happening for me. What can I get out of it? Instead of mm-hmm. the victim mindset of, 
oh, everything happens to me. You can't learn that way. Mm-hmm. And so the other way, it's like you're learning and gaining. And Edmond, he did that. Even though he did kind of have a victim mindset that he was a victim, but he still was able to, he learned, I think Abe, he learned and grew so much as a person. I mean, he spoke how many languages? Yeah. And he went in there not knowing how to read. Yeah. And write. So, and he was just naive. Yes. Basically. He was just really naive. And then at the end, so he went really from being really super naive to not trusting anyone. Yes. And I think the Abe did kind of pull him in and uh, what he was surrounded by bad things there just a whole it was it was like you can kind of take when one thing goes wrong but when you have this go wrong and this go wrong then that's a lot yes and he had a lot going on but you get to see you get to see Dantes's full transformation you get to mm-hmm. see him in the beginning go from from naive to despair to like at the end of his rope basically doesn't think he can go on then you see him in the midst of suffering, learning, and then you see the vengeful side of him. You get the full gamut, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the full gambit, the yeah. full circle. So well, it was very well done. What was your most memorable scene? Well, I mean, the front part of it, like, uh, my brother's reading this too, you know, and, and the, I, I know what he didn't like because he didn't like that they went to Rome. He didn't like, he thought they were in Rome too long. Because so, I said, so how's it going? He said, well, we finally got out of Rome. <laughs> and so he didn't like that. I have to honestly tell you, there's a part of me because I do like justice. I kind of like to see what he had planned for each person. And when that came out, I mean, my total favorite was at the end. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to say the ending. So yeah. I, I, my other favorite is to say, well, you know, yeah. oh, that. That's interesting how, because I did not know how he was going to bring it about. And that how he, like, cared for these, um, not really, like the second generation people. Mm. What would you call the, like, Maximilian was the son of Morel. Yes. And how he deeply, he he loved deeply. Mm. And so I think if he had been a regular, just run-of-the-mill Joe, you know, like that uh, insignificant personage, I don't think he would have had that, that, deep he loved deeply but he also revenge was strong too Mm. but i think you have to have both yes and i just saw that coming out like he was going to help morel no matter what because he loved his dad so much and albert he loved albert's mother he loved mercedes mercedes so he's going to help albert and and he really had no connection to those guys at all Mm -hmm. you know in the movie albert is his son yeah but that is not true in the book no it's his enemy's son yeah ferdinand and I mean, in the movie, they made him look exactly like him. Yeah. Him. But it, in here, he that that's not a, an issue, which I kind of like it the way it is. I think um, you know. But like that guy says, it's a good book. Read the book, and then he said, "I know." Yeah. He I, had to change it. I think the scene that uh, one scene that sticks out for me, and I, there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot that goes on, but and this isn't really necessarily an action scene, but. It's when, so Villefaux had had an affair and gotten a lady pregnant and the, had it, she had a child and the, the, it was his family estate at this one kind of country home, I guess. Well, he had taken the baby down to bury it, but it was still alive. And that, I think you said that he, he had gotten stabbed and all of this stuff. And so, but he doesn't think anybody knows about that. All of, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like, so the fact that the Count buys this house <laughs> no, and, I forget, yeah, that's and right. has 
everyone come, I mean, the like dinner party, the baby that grew up, that is Vifo's son that he doesn't know about. It was in the box. That was it's in the very, box. Yeah, yes. That is the guy bad. that stabbed him, the, the lady he was having an affair with, like all these people are invited and come and show up and Vifo and the lady that, uh, yeah, Donglar, yeah. um, they're struggling as he's yeah. as he's talking about ghosts in this house and saying, "Oh, there must have been a terrible crime committed here." So the, they're like sweating, I, I, I and yeah, so that. I'm like, "That would have been an interesting scene for for the count. Like mm-hmm. he knows, and he's the only one that knows what had gone on here, and he's making them suffer." And so that was a really interesting scene. I think that was a high intensity scene uh, to have been a part of, like. Yeah, to me, he also reminds me of a chess player moving the pawns and the Mm. pieces and, uh, you know, and he he does it well. He does. He does it well. Good point. Great. So I think that's a wrap. That's a wrap on the the very large but very good (laughs) Count of Monte Cristo. And if you live in Perryden, go by the Golden House and get the sandwich, the Monte Cristo. We did that this week. Thank you. It was yummy, it wasn't was it? It was so good. So, yeah, we celebrated. Yeah. <laughs> so if you read this book, definitely get yourself the sandwich. Yes. <laughs> Keep those pages turning and those book lights burning. And we'll see you on the next one.